Well, uh, man, before we get started tonight, uh, let me just kind of tell you a little bit about this uh, series that we're in. We're in this series, um, Level Up. Now, the reason we're doing this series is that we just started talking about in our conversations that we, as we prayed about it, we said, you know, man, we want to do a series to kind of help all of us sort of see things in a different way to take ourselves to the next level. Because this is what I know. Every single one of us in this room has a next level. You have a next level. I have a next level. We all have a next level. And last week, Austin talked about this. He says, hey, listen, first off, if you want to get to the next level, you got to say no to the bad stuff and, good, and yes to the good stuff. Now, of course, that's like, oh, duh, that sounds so simple. Yeah, every day in our life, we have the choices to make right choices, and we have choices to make wrong choices. And every day we face those decisions, and you know as well as I know that it is much easier to say, say no to the bad stuff, say yes to the good stuff, than when you are right in the mix of all the stuff going on in your life, and you are faced with those decisions. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit easier to say it than it is to do it. And uh, so we talked about that last week. And we talked about how that in, in our culture and in these days that now companies, businesses, uh, even athletic teams, when you look at the NFL and other teams, they care more about your emotional quotient than they do your intelligent quotient. You're more important that you have the right EQ than necessarily you have the right IQ. Because if you are crazy trained, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you're going to ruin the company, you're going to ruin people's lives, you're going to ruin your marriage and all that kind of stuff. And so we need to elevate that in our life. This week, we're going to take we're going to take it to the next level and talk about something that I believe is going to hit every single one of us in this room, including myself. Because what I'm going to talk about tonight is an attitude that we all carry at times. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about in the title of the message, if you've got your notes there in front of you, the title of the message tonight is called Give a Crap. <laughs> Give a Crap. Give a Crap. The reason that some of you are not going to the next level in areas of your life is because... You don't give a crap. You don't care. You don't care. I mean, think about all the things that you say, man, I don't care. For some of you right now, you're like, I don't give a crap about being here. I don't care that that guy's up there talking. I don't care what he has to say. And see, what happens a lot of times is, is that the things that we don't give a crap about are maybe the things that we should give a crap about. And the reason that we don't give a crap about those things is because we give a crap about other things that we shouldn't be giving a crap about. Let me explain what I mean. Some of you may be sitting beside someone who you think is really cute. <laughs> Guilty. And, and, and you give a crap about what they think because you don't want them to not think that you are cute. You don't want them to think that you're weird. And so like... <clears throat> The music will be playing, the music will be playing, and the song will be going, and you'll see people raise their hands and sing it, and you really want to sing, but you do this right here. You look over, you're like, are they singing? <laughs> see, like, you should be focused on God, and you should be giving a crap about what's going on in your relationship with God, but you give more crap about the person beside you that, for you, it's difficult for you to focus on the thing that you should be focusing on. That happens all the time in our life. It happens with our reputation and everything around us. Some of us give more crap about our reputation than we do about what God thinks about us and what, we, what, what God tells us that we should be doing and what our lives should look like. And because we give a crap about that, that's the reason our lives are falling apart. That's the reason we're depressed. That's the reason we're sitting in areas of destruction in our life. That's the reason nothing's working out for you. And you see it all the time. And you're like, yeah, Derek, that's what the pastor's supposed to say. No, that's what the Bible says. And you can keep going down that path if you want to, and you can keep not giving a crap if you want to. And five years from now, 
you'll remember, oh man, I remember that pastor told me if I keep doing this and I keep heading down this road of giving a crap about the things that I shouldn't give a crap about and not giving a crap about the things that I should be giving, y'all are all confused. Like, Alex is like, yeah, man, that's good. How's he going to say this thing? Then you're going to be in trouble. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. About what do we care about? And why is that important? Do you care? Like, do you really care? Do you really care about the things you should care about? Because there are things you should care about. Like, you should care about your education. You should care about that. I mean, that's not like your parents are telling you that. That is me telling you that because I've been there. I did not care about my education in high school. So 100% of the colleges that I sent my application to, I got turned down from. If it wasn't for the fact that I was being recruited to play baseball, I wouldn't have gotten into any place to go to college. And let me tell you, I gave my life to Jesus my senior year of, of, of high school. God radically changed my life through that time. And because of that, I felt God called me in the ministry. And so a college called Liberty University let me in because I felt called to ministry, not because of my grades. I got to Liberty University. And let me tell you something. After going to college... And now, having postgraduate work, and now eventually I'm going to get my doctorate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now that I've walked down that road, let me tell you something. Education matters. It matters. It matters. Without a college degree, you can't get a job today. And for most, you can't get a job without a postgraduate degree. You say, well, I'm going to go into the military. That's fine. You need education. You need education. What things should you give a crap about? You should give a crap about your relationship with God. You should give a crap about your relationship with your parents. You should give a crap about your relationship with your brothers and sisters. You should give a crap about the things that matter in your life. Because at the end of the day, that, those are the things that matter. But what we give a crap about mostly is our reputation. About our stuff. About our friends. About our girlfriend. About our boyfriend. We give a crap about these things so much that we lose relationships with our parents. We lose relationships with our siblings. We lose relationships with our Heavenly Father. We lose relationships all around us. We lose our focus in life. And I have so many friends that are now 30, 35, 40 years old. Their life's going nowhere because they screwed around. Because they didn't give a crap. And so I want to talk about that tonight. And, and, and there's a passage of Scripture that probably, when I was a new believer, a new Christian, probably marked me more than any other passage in the entire Bible. And that's in Revelation chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, you can open up to Revelation chapter 3. And while you're opening up there, um, I need two volunteers. One volunteer that is thirsty and one volunteer that is hungry. Now, you have to like hot chocolate to be one. And you have to like French fries from McDonald's, which I th tend to think is some of the best. And so, so let me get my hungry people first. Who's my hungry people? My hungry people. My hungry people, she's hungry. Let me, get, let me get my man right here. Yeah, Ray, yeah, that's right, that's right. I can't see because the lights are flying. All I can see it. Let me get some people from the back. Yeah, yeah, let me get you right here. Yeah, straight back, uh, uh, hat on right here. Yep, yep. Who is that? Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. Now, here's the deal. I got a nice little, uh, nice little, nice little piping hot, hot chocolate I just had to make for me. I got some McDonald's fries I just picked up at the store in there. Now, we're going to do a little... Um, we're going to do a little race here, all right? You ready? We're going to do a little race here. Now, here's the deal. Your job is you have to eat these fries before he drinks that drink. Right. You have to drink that drink before he eats these fries, but you can't take the lid off. 
all right? And you got to take the fries out of the bag. You can't take them out of the bag other than with your hands or whatever. You can't dump them out and all that kind of stuff. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, can't lift the bag off the table, all right? All right? All right, so, so we got some, some hot chocolate, and we got, some, we got some McDonald's fries that we just picked up. You ready on your mark? You say go. No hot chocolate. It's cold. <laughs> all right, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. How is that, man? Is that good for you there? It's pretty good. Dude, what's wrong, man? What? Cold fries. If cold fries ain't good, are they? Nah, all right, y'all can have a seat. <laughs> She's like, can I have them? I want them. I like cold fries. <laughs> Dude, nothing, listen, nothing is worse. Nothing is worse than, that was cold hot chocolate, by the way. Uh, that nothing is worse than when, than when, like, you know, you're like, you know, it's, been, it's just, man, it's just so cold outside like it is right now. And you just want a nice warm cup of hot chocolate and you pick it up. The other day, I was getting in my car and, and it was freezing cold in the morning. So I stopped by, I got a coffee and I had the coffee sitting in the little, um, uh, yeah, that little thing cup holder in my car and and uh and so I'm driving down the road and um and you know I'm not paying attention or whatever and I'm just driving and I reach over well the thing is is that in the the other cup holder I had another cup of coffee that I had had a couple days before that still had a little bit left in it but it wasn't any, you know I'm just driving around not paying attention I reach over and I did not grab the fresh piping hot nice cup of coffee and I go and I take a big sick swig of it and I went and I sprayed it all over my car now no, I didn't clean it up, wife. And uh, my wife's like, oh, Lord. No, and I wiped it down and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but I sprayed it all over my car, my steering wheel, and I'm like, you got to be kidding. It's all over my pants, everything else. And, uh, and so it's just nasty. You know when you're looking for something to be refreshed with, you want something, you're craving something. And, and if you've ever got fries before and you get it and you leave the little drive through thing and you're driving down the road and you reach your hand in the bag and you pick it up and you take a bite and it's just, and they're cold. And it's like, man, this is nasty. It's gross because there are some things that are better at, at temperature. There's some things that are better hot like fries. There's some things that are better cold like a big cold glass of sweet tea when you've been working outside all day in the summer. You know what I'm saying? All my southern people in the house say amen. amen. And when you get to uh, and when you get to this passage, when you get to this passage in Revelation chapter 3, when you get to this passage in Revelation chapter 3, which is uh, towards the end of your uh, of your Bible there, um, uh, John is writing this John is writing this. He's in prison. He was the youngest of the disciples. All the other disciples had been martyred for their faith. They tried to kill John by boiling him in an oil, and, and he survived it. So they put him on this Isle of Patmos, this prison. And while he's on the Isle of Patmos, God came to him, Jesus came to him, and, and took him up and showed him heaven. And showed him the things that were going to happen, the things that were to come. And he begins to talk to him about certain things. And when you're, when you're in, in chapter 3, he is going through the seven churches now, these seven churches represent different time periods. They represent the different churches of the day. And, and so, and, and we can all relate to different things that are within inside of these churches. And the interesting thing about it is, when he talks about these churches, he doesn't talk about anything that is external. He talks about everything that is internal. And we get this internal look inside of these seven churches. And, and he hones in here in verse 14 on the church of Laodicea. Now let me tell you a little bit about the church at Laodicea. Laodicea was in modern day Turkey. Now Laodicea, I want you to see the parallels to, the Ameri to, to America, to the United States that we live in today. Laodicea was one of the richest communities of its day. One of the richest communities of its day. 
The average home during this time period was about the size of a one-car garage that you see at a home. The average house side in Laodicea was over 2,000 square foot, which is the size of the homes in America. The average size of a home in America is a little over 2,000 square feet. Which, by the way, the average home size in America blows every other country out of the water by a mile as far as size of home. We live in the country that has the largest homes in the world. This was an economic center. This was where business was booming. This is where architecture was at its best. Everything in this community was was high end. It was the fashion center of the world. They had this they had this black wool from the sheep that they had and they would this black wool they would make coats and things out of. It was the designer clothing of the day. People would come from all over the world to this place. It was the medical center of the world. If you wanted health care, you went to Laodicea, especially if you had eye conditions. They had this salve that they would make, and it would help heal the eyes of people who, who had uh, stuff going on with their eyes. And people would come from all over the world to this area. It was, it was highly, highly sought after to live in this area. During this time, it was rare even during this time, and, and, and they, they had indoor plumbing. They had indoor water where they had faucets and things like that, which was, which was almost completely unknown for a world of this day. This was the city of Laodicea. It was rich, wealthy. It was Beverly Hills. And this is what he says to the church at Laodicea. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He's talking about Jesus. He says this about the church of Laodicea, verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and the salve you put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Notice that he does this out of love. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was a victorious and sat down at my father on, by his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, listen, if you have ears, pay attention. This is something that you need to know. See, what has happened here in the church at Laodicea is that they have become lukewarm. They're not hot, they're not cold. Now, the reason this was important is because what, what was also true about Laodicea was that off in the distance were these hot springs. It was a place where hot water. People would go and they would bathe in the hot water. People enjoyed the hot water of this day and they also enjoyed the cold water. And cold water would come down off of the mountains and it would, it would gather in pools and they would, they would take the cold water. And this cold water was, was delicious. They loved the cold water just like we love cold water. See, the cold water had, had purposes for their use. The hot water had purposes for their use, but lukewarm water has no purposes for use in this day. 
And what would happen is this, is that they had these aqueducts that would tap into the hot water and it would tap into the cold water. But by the time the water made it through its journey down to the city for the people to drink it or for the people to use it, the cold water would have heated up as it was going through the pipes and would have been lukewarm and the hot water would have cooled down and would have become lukewarm. And so what we know about the city of Laodicea was that the water was nasty. No one liked the water in Laodicea. They complained about it. I mean, can you imagine you're getting up in the morning and you go down and you're making you some coffee and you go and you pour the water and you, and you make your coffee or you make some tea or something like that and you go and drink and it's just, it's just lukewarm. It's not good. It's like when you're in the car and you reach over and you grab the wrong cup and you take a sip of it and you spray it everywhere. You spit it out of your mouth. It's just disgusting. It's nasty. It's like when you're, you're eating fries that are too cold. You just can't eat them. You can't choke them down. I mean, he's my boy, homeboy over here is gagging over here. I thought he was going to throw up all over me. Thanks for not doing that. But it's nasty, right? Man, this is the correlation that Jesus is given here. Jesus is using this picture that they all understood. They all knew. He's using the things of their days, using the things in this community to find us. And Jesus is saying, listen, when I think of you, I think of grabbing the wrong cup out of the car, out of the cup holder, and taking a sip. And it makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. It makes me want to gag. It's gross. It's lukewarm. I, I wish you were either hot, I wish you were either cold. I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. But because you were lukewarm, I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. I mean, listen, church, listen to me right now. For many of us in this room, here's the reality. You don't care. And the reason you don't care is because you're lukewarm. You don't give a crap because people that don't give a crap are lukewarm. You don't care about the things of God. You don't care about the things that are important in life. And that is what was going on with the people in Laodicea. They were so concerned about their materials. They were so concerned about their agendas and all the busyness of their life that they had no time for God. They had no time to help out other people. They had no time for the things that were important in life. Can you relate? Can you relate? I can. And when I talk to people all the time and I say, dude, how's your time with God going? How is getting in the Word and reading your Bible, man? How's your, your personal time with Him going? Man, how, dude, how's, how's it going getting to church? How's it going coming to age 12? How's it, how's it going in that? I'm just so busy right now. I got so many things on my plate. I got sports. I got jobs. I got AP classes. I got this. I got that. Could it be? That our agendas have gotten in the way of the things that God cares about? Could it be that the things that we care about have become more important than the things that God cares about? And to take it a step further, what is it that God cares about? Do we even know what he cares about? Do we even care what he cares about? I put a quote at the top of your, your notes up there and said this, care is the inward belief that compels us to outward action. Care is the inward belief that compels us to outward action. The, the things we care about drives us, compels us to action. And, and so, and so if, you, if you are somewhere and you see someone like uh, like, I'll tell you, if I'm out somewhere and I see someone, like, beating their wife on the side of the street, you know what I'm saying? Bro, it's on. 
You know what I'm saying? Like Ultimate Fighter Ninja Derek is coming out. You know what I'm saying? To the rescue Superman, you know? Like I'm about to throw down with somebody. You know why? Preach it, brother. Because I had this inward belief in me that a man should never put his hands on a woman ever for any excuse no matter what. That's right. And that, and that compels me, compels me to action when I see that happening. That our inner belief compels us to action. That, that, that the things we believe, the things that we care about, the things that are, are deep within us, that compels us to action. So here, let me ask you a question. What are the things about God that are so deep within you that compels you to action to do things for him? What are those things? I mean, think about it. This was a constant struggle for the people of God all the way through the Bible. Making God a priority in their life. Becoming apathetic. Complacent. Or another word for it is to care less. In fact, one author says this. He says, the opposite of love is not hate. It is apathy. Hate can easily be turned to love and vice versa. But if you don't care in the first place, what is going to make us sit up and take notice? If you don't care in the first place, why does it matter? This is what I've found in our culture. And this is what I've found in doing ministry through the years. Unfortunately, it typically takes tragedy to shake us from apathy. It typically takes tragedy to shake us from apathy. Let me, let me, let me illustrate by, by um, 9-11. We thought our country was invincible. No one could attack us. No one could do anything to the mighty United States of America. We were apathetic. We were complacent. We thought we would always win. And because our guard was down, we got attacked. And that shook us out of our apathy. That shook us out of our apathy. I remember when I was in high school, true story, my high school baseball team was third in the conference. We barely made it to the playoffs. Barely. We were ranked the last place team in the entire state of North Carolina in baseball that made it to the playoffs. So there was the number one team that was supposed to win the whole thing, and we were dead last. We had to play them first. I was a sophomore in high school. We won the state championship that year. How did that happen? Wow. It's irrelevant. Yeah, I'm a big deal. No, Let me tell you how that happened. Every team we went and played, they laughed at us because we were smaller than them, and they thought they were going to kill us. And they took us lightly, and they got beat. My senior year of high school, we were ranked number one in the state the entire year. We knew we were going to win it all. First round of the playoffs, we lost because of the same thing. We thought we had it won. These are a bunch of scrubs. We played this three, team three times during the year and beat them by more than ten runs all three times. We can take it easy on them. And we lost. Sometimes it takes tragedy to break us free from apathy. And man, I see this all the time. I put this down. 
You typically give no attention to God, and then you find out that your parents are getting a divorce or that someone close to you gets cancer or you want to be in a certain college, and all of a sudden God becomes important. You have a season-ending sports injury, and you pray your face off. See, he becomes important in these moments because the things that we truly care about are being exposed. You ever notice that? That the moment that tragedy, difficulty, pain comes in your life, you are on your face. You're praying your face off. You're seeking after God. God, help me. God, show me what I'm supposed to do. God, please help this injury to, to go away so I can keep playing. God, help me out. God, I need you. God, I need you. Yet days on end before that, you never considered him at all. Because you're apathetic. You're lukewarm. Do you know what God cares about? And where in your life have you become careless? And what are the things in your life that you should give a crap about? Well, I think there's a couple of things. And I want to hit them real quick. And we're going to be done. The first is this. That you should give a crap about your spiritual growth. You should give a crap about your spiritual growth. I want you to notice what he says here in this passage. He says, he says, uh, he, he just finished saying, I'm about to spit you out of mouth because you're lukewarm. And he says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You know how that is in our culture, man? I talk to people all the time and they're like, in America, and they're like, they're like, man, I don't need God. I got everything I want. I got cars. I got houses. My life's pretty easy. I don't need anything. I got money. I don't need God. That's exactly what these people are saying. I don't need anything. I can handle it. I can take care of myself. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can do it. And so this is what they're saying. He says this, but you do not realize you're wretched, pitiful, and poor, blind, and naked. He says, you're pitiful and poor. And they're like, hold on a second. We're not pitiful and poor. We're rich. We're loaded. We have all this money. No, 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 no. Your pockets are full, but your heart is empty. Your pockets are full, but your heart is empty. You have money, but you are spiritually poor. He says, you're naked. They say, hold on, we're not naked. What are you talking about? I mean, this was a shameful thing. This was super shameful to these people because they were the fashion epicenter of the world. They had this black wool. I mean, they had all this stuff. There's, there's no way that they were naked. The people from all over the world came to them to get clothes. Most of these people were clothing makers. This was their job, their livelihood. This is how they got wealthy. And he says, you're naked. See, you may have some expensive clothes on, but spiritually, you're naked. There's nothing there. Now, I want you to notice this. He is writing this to the church. He's writing this to believers. He's not talking about the person who is outside of the church. He's not talking about the person that doesn't know God. He is talking about the church. He's talking about his people. And he's saying, listen, my people have become lukewarm. They've gotten focused on all these other things. He says, you're blind. What do you mean we're blind? People from all over the world come to our city so that they can see, so that they can have our eyes salved, so that they can see. Oh, no, 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 no. You may help people see. You may not be physically blind, but you are spiritually blind. You have missed the entire point. 
This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the point is, is that you need to focus on your spiritual growth. That you need to give a crap about who you are spiritually. That it's not just about the external. It is not just about the external. But as in 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord God looks at the heart. That God looks at our heart, that he cares about who we are on the inside, that the truth of the matter is we can fool people, fake people, do whatever on the outside, but you cannot fool God about who you are on the inside. This was the consistent rebuke that Jesus gave the Pharisees, that you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. This was the consistent rebuke that he gave to the religious leaders of that day, and it wasn't because he didn't care about them, because what we know about Jesus is, is that Jesus cared about every person that had a pulse. Jesus cared about them, and he knew that in order for them to experience the full life that he had for them, that he wanted them to know that this is how you must live your life, that you must get it right on the inside first. That the outside doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you portray yourself. People say, man, how do you know if someone in your youth group is a leader? Well, I think a part of it is showing up. They care about their growth. They give a crap about their spiritual growth. They're saying, hey, Derek, man, can, can, can I set up a meeting with you or with Matt, Danny, Austin? Can I set up a meeting with one of you guys for April? Our leader? Can I sit up with me with you guys? Man, I just want to talk to you a little bit about my time with God. I'm, I'm just having a little time struggle with some of my prayer life and stuff like that. Man, I just want to know if you could give me some, some pointers and kind of walk me through that a little bit. Like, they give a crap about their spiritual life. Man, they show up to life groups because they know that they need community. They know that they need other people pouring into them. They know that they need accountability for stuff going on in their life. They give a crap about their spiritual life. And so they're going and getting involved in these things so that they can grow. They give a crap about connection groups. Not only so that they can connect to other people, but so that when new people come here, that they can help get them connected. They care about their spiritual growth. They, they, they care about their time with God. Saying, hey, listen, man, I, like, I give a crap about my spiritual growth so much that like, I make room in my schedule and in my calendar to spend time with God because that is so important to my walk with Jesus. You got to give a crap. You say, man, the Bible's boring and I just have a hard time reading it. Have you ever went and talked to somebody about that and said, hey, you mind giving me some pointers on how to read the Bible and where I should start and what I should look at? Because when I read it, it seems to be boring. Because I promise you, if you talk to me about that, I could help you with that. And then you would start reading and be like, holy cow, man, this is amazing. Oh, my goodness, that is ridiculous. Oh, my, that's awesome. But you got to give a crap. It's easy to quit. It's not easy to give a crap. The second thing that we know that is central to the heart of God and the things that God gives a crap about and the things that we should give a crap about are that he gives a crap about changing lives. He gives a crap about changing lives. Our senior pastor, Kevin Meyer, said this in one of our staff meetings. He said this. He said, if the only story people can tell you is the story of their life change but not the lives they have changed, then you have to question whether or not their life was changed to begin with. Whew. Let me say that again. That's why you got to be here on Sunday mornings. So you can hear from the sensei, God's man. <laughs> he says this. He says, listen, if the only story 
People can tell you is the story of their own personal life change, but not the lives that they have changed, then you have to ask the question whether or not their life has been changed to begin with. Because changed lives change lives. It's the truth. I can go around this room right now and tell you students that are in this room that are changing people's lives. That are doing big things for the kingdom of God. Because their lives have been changed by him and you can't contain it. It is contagious. It, it comes out of you. It is, it, is, it is uncontrollable. And what we know is Jesus cared about people. Jesus cared about changing people's lives. It was his mission to come and seek and save that which was lost. And we see this in Acts chapter 3. We see the story of John and Peter. And we see John and Peter coming up to this guy who's a beggar. Now I want you to notice this story. Let me read it to you real quick. He says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Time out. They're going to the temple. Let's use it in modern day language. Peter and John were going to the church. Every day they had this prayer time, and it's 3 o'clock. It is prayer time. What does that mean? That means that the church is full. People are there. Church people are everywhere. And I want you to notice what he says. Now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those that go into the temple. When, Peter, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man, the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I want you to picture this scene. This dude has been, the Bible tells us, at this gate every day his entire life since he was a kid. He's an adult now. He's, he's sitting at the gate. He is there during prayer time. Church people have walked past this guy, maybe hundreds of people during this time and no one has cared no one has given a crap no one said a word to him and he's there begging and Peter and John come walking by now here's the interesting thing about it Peter and John have probably walked through this gate hundreds of times in their lifetime by the time that this was actually happened hundreds of times they have probably seen this guy sitting there they have walked past him taking no notice of him most of their life and they walk past him. And I want you to notice what it says. This is so good. It says, it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter, verse 4, looked straight at him, as did John. This is in Acts chapter 3. The first time that this Greek word right here for looked is used is two chapters earlier in Acts chapter 1. It is right after Jesus has just given this commission to the disciples and he ascends back into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father and it says that they looked up at him. This was an intense gaze, an, in, an intense moment. This is, this is that they took notice of what was going on. I mean, can you imagine if you just saw Jesus ascend into heaven? It was this awe-inspiring thing. The next time we see it is in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen, the first martyr of the church, is being stoned. And it says that as he was being stoned, he looked up into heaven. And God took him. This is intense. And they looked at him. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him attention, expecting to get something from him. And then Peter says, silver and gold I do not give you. I do not have. But what I do give you is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He took him by his right hand, helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Let me tell you where this started. 
It started because these guys took notice. They saw the need. They felt the need. And then they met the need. They touched the need. Listen, you have to care about changing lives and the people around you. This is the thing that is deeply within the person of God. This is deeply who God is. It is all about changed lives. And God wants to change your life, but he also wants to change the people's lives around you. Do you see the needs of the people around you? Or do you just ignore them as you walk by them every day? Do you see the needs? Do you feel the needs? Is there empathy there? Like, do you understand what they're going through? Do you try to understand them? And then do you touch those needs? Do you meet those needs? Man, this is the reason we go on missions trips. This is why we're going to Haiti. By the way, December 2nd is our next big meeting for that. This is why we go. Because we want to take you away from the distractions of your life and place you in a situation where you have no choice but to pay attention and see the needs around you. And then feel the needs, have empathy for those needs, and then meet those needs. And then, you know what happens every time someone goes? They come back and they go, I've never experienced something like that that has changed my life the way that has changed my life. And you know what Jesus is saying? You're invited to do that every day. You're invited to do that every day. There's people in the halls of your school every day The need you to see their needs, to feel ignored, to feel unnoticed. They need you to feel their needs, feel their pain. And they need you to meet their needs, to pray for them, to walk them through their life. Listen, this is what I know. There are people in this room right now, you have great needs. Maybe your parents are going through a divorce, or maybe they've been through a divorce, and it was a painful situation for you. Maybe you're depressed because of some situation that's happened in your life that was unfair to you. Maybe there's broken relationships, friendships, thoughts of suicide, self-mutilation, eating disorders, addictions. Look, it's all present in here. Let's stop playing around and pretending like it's not. That's most of us in this room, what I just mentioned. And we walk around pretending like the outside of the cup is okay. And we're lukewarm on the inside. We don't care about anybody but our own self. And that's why our self's falling apart. And you got to see the needs of the people around you. And you got to feel those needs. And you got to meet those needs. Listen, I, I, rem- I, I know it's painful. I remember when I was in middle school. I wasn't the cool kid because I was poor. My parents didn't make a lot of money. My mom has a high school education, barely. Minimum wage worker, mostly. My dad's a mechanic. We were poor. I didn't know it because we were loved until I got to middle school. And I came to school with my Kmart shoes, my sweatpants with holes in the knees. And I got made fun of. Because I was poor, and it was painful. And by the way, if you're one of those people that get excitement out of putting other people down because you think that makes you feel better about yourself, well, you're the scum of the earth. 
I have no place in my mind for bullies. Because people have real pain. And the reason you're bullying those people is because you have real pain. Real pain that you haven't dealt with and you're trying to take it out on somebody else. Can we just be honest? You know, the church is a hospital for the hurting. No perfect people are allowed in here. Because I'm not perfect and none of you are either. And if you think you are, we are not welcome. Let's just get honest with ourselves here. For some of us, we're lukewarm. Spiritually speaking, there is no spiritual growth in our lives. And as far as our relationships with each other, as far as seeing the needs of others, as far as changing other people's lives, whatever. We don't care. Let me close with this. David Platt says this. Those who are the most effective at reaching the masses are the most passionate about reaching the one. John and Peter were so effective in their ministry because they stopped, they saw the need, they cared, and they met the need of this crippled man, the one. Maybe the reason you're not seeing God do some incredible things in your life is because you don't care. You're not influencing anyone because you don't care. The challenge tonight is to give a crap. I'll tell you one of the most painful things for me, if I can just be honest with you. One of the most painful things for me in ministry, and we do it every year, is senior night. And it's not just painful because I don't get to see these seniors again because they're leaving. Because we always do something that we would like to call special. And we bring all the seniors up front and we say, hey, listen, if you're in the crowd and one of these seniors has done something, it's meant something to you, has changed your life in some way, has inspired you, has taken you deeper in your walk with Christ, man, I just think it'd be cool for you just to share it with that senior. And people begin to stand up. Man, Kali, you did this for me. And, you know, Alex Drag, you did this for me. And, you know, man, that's a, and, and they start going around the room, all this kind of stuff. But you know what happens? There'll be about 30 people on the stage, and only about five of them will get spoken about. And it's painful because I can see it on their faces. Why isn't anyone saying anything about me? first church I was at, two guys come up to me afterwards and said, man, I didn't like that. I was up there in the front that whole time. People were saying all this stuff about all the seniors and no one said anything about me. And I said, well, look, you can be mad about that or you can change. Because the reason no one said anything about you is because you haven't influenced a person since you've been here. And you haven't cared about anything. And you've made no difference. And so you just reaped what you sowed. It's not harsh. It's just truth. It's just truth. So the band's going to come up. And this is what, what I want to leave you with tonight. To give a crap. To give a crap about your personal growth. To give a crap about the things of God. To give a crap about changing other people's lives. And look. Before God does anything through you, he's got to do something in you. 
And I believe there may be some of you here tonight, and you have, you, man, you, you connected with maybe some of the things that were said about these students tonight that came up here and gave their lives, uh, gave their lives to Christ and were baptized tonight. Maybe you say, Derek, you're talking about being lukewarm up there, bro. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian. I don't even know what it means to know Jesus. Man, I want, I want you tonight to find an adult leader, to find me, to find somebody, and let's have that conversation. Let us walk you through that. Let us answer some of your questions. That's why we're here. I'm not scared of your questions. Because the Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is the truth. Your questions don't intimidate me. So come and ask them. That's why we're here. Additionally, for some of you in here, man, during this time, you need to respond. We're doing with everything, right? We're about to sing my favorite worship song of all time, with everything. And with everything is saying, God, with everything. God, I give you my everything. Man, if you're here tonight and you say, dude, I'll just be honest, man. My life right now just looks like a a bunch of cold french fries. And truly, if, if, if God was to eat it, he would spit it out of his mouth as well. And tonight, I want to change that. I want to get serious about my walk with Jesus. That this week... I'm going to be going and I'm going to be inviting my friends here for next week. Because I'm going to tell you right now, next week is going to be sick, nasty. I am, I mean, I almost couldn't even do like tonight's message because I'm so excited about next week. That's hard sometimes. But dude, you don't want to miss next week. And you don't want anybody else that you know to miss next week. I mean, like, I hope we have so many people in here next week. We have to stack them on the roof because you guys have brought so many people because you realize, dude, I'm being lukewarm and I need to do something about it. So the biggest thing is you need to do business with God tonight. You need to have some of these conversations and connection groups tonight. So I want you to do business with God during this song, during with everything. And just acknowledge, say, God, I just want to give you everything, Lord, with everything. It's all yours. God, I want to give a crap. God, for the first time ever in my entire life, being at church, I'm not going to care about the person sitting beside me and what they think about me. God, I'm just going to give it all to you. I'm going to surrender it all with everything tonight.